right, and welcome to the Stranded Sports Podcast. We are joined today by the head coach of the 24-1 Belmont Bruins, winners of their last 21, Coach Casey Alexander. Coach, thank you very much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for asking. Yeah, coach, uh, when did you start, first start to get into the game of basketball? Oh, gosh, early age. I mean, I started playing when I was five years old and played all the way through college. Uh, probably wasn't until my ninth grade year when I really realized – how much I loved it and thought about coaching and that sort of thing. I had a, our high school had a new head coach that year. Um, and so everything kind of shifted from being a good team with good players to being really well coached and a good program. And so uh, I was the beneficiary of that. And then, um, and then had a very similar experience at Belmont. And mentioning Belmont, uh, you, uh, how did it feel to get the assistant coach job under uh, Rick Bird, right? When you got done with your playing career? Yeah, the timing was really unique for me. We were kind of a powerhouse NAI program uh, when I played and finishing in 1995, and, but we only had one more season after that in NAI before we went straight to Division One, which was a kind of a remarkable move at that point in time to go straight from NAI to Division One. So along with that move, uh, an assistant coach, assistant coaching position was added to the staff and uh it wasn't paying much and uh but thankfully coach bird thought i would be a good addition so i was kind of lucky to be in the right place at the right time yeah you played uh at belmont under rick bird and then you were able to spend time with him on his coaching staff what was that experience like as a player and then as an assistant coach yeah obviously the relationship evolved over time it was 20 consecutive years as a player and then an assistant coach and so uh you know and really unique in a sense that you know, obviously, I, I just mentioned we had we had a great we had great success when I played, uh, but then when we made that transition to Division One, there were some lean years in there. There were four or five years where we were not in a conference. We had no chance of postseason play. Um, you know, we were playing a Division One schedule with mostly NAI players or borderline Division One players. Uh, you know, by the end of that time, so it was tough and a lot of good and a lot of questions about you know can we do it? Uh, but then we joined what used to be the Transamerica Conference is now the A-Sun. And within just a couple of years, won our first um, championship and kind of the rest is history. So uh, a lot of layers to my time with Coach Bird, all, all of which, you know, were beneficial in the end. What was one of your, like, favorite experiences uh, being being the assistant under a coach like Rick Bird who's had a long history with the program? Oh, yeah, geez. Well, I mean, there, there are many. There's no doubt about that. But, uh, you know, I, I think our first NCAA tournament – uh, accomplishment you know we're, we're playing in the conference championship game the game's played at uh, ETSU at the time and we're we're the we're the Lipscomb is the one seed Belmont's the two seed Lipscomb and Belmont better rivals uh, and uh, and one of us is going to go to the NCAA tournament for the first time that was an overtime game uh, that Belmont won and um, and you know so that's that's clearly that's my that's my favorite coaching memory of all time is that championship game and going to the NCAA tournament for the first time. Belmont's been eight times since that, that since that 2006 championship. Yep. And then after the 2010-2011 season, you got an opportunity to be the head coach at Stenson University. How did it feel to finally get that opportunity to be the head coach of of a Division One basketball program? Yeah, I mean it was um, I mean it was thrilling at the time. There's no doubt about that. I mean I'm really grateful for Stetson for for giving me the chance to do that. You know, I've been at Belmont and part of a really successful program for a long time. And Stetson and Belmont were in the same conference. So I think they, you know, they, they recognized, you know, what we had. And I think they, obviously they wanted something 
very similar. And so the timing was good. You know, I was very familiar with that program. I'd been to Deland and Stetson many times. And, and so there weren't a lot of surprises. Uh, there were, you know, two very different schools, two di- very different administrations and so forth, but, but not a lot of surprises overall. And it was a, it was an awesome experience for me. I was only there for two years, but personal growth, family growth, professional growth, you know, we, we accomplished more in those two years than we have, you know, in any two years prior to or since probably. And you mentioned uh, Lipscomb a little bit earlier. You ended up going there in 2013. Uh, what was that dynamic like with that rivalry that you addressed between them and Belmont? Yeah, it was um, it was strange. It was awkward for everybody, really. I mean, I'm a I'm a Nashville guy. I've literally lived in Nashville my whole life, uh, except for the two years I was at Stetson. And Belmont and Lipscomb are two miles apart. And um, uh, a lot of people don't know Lipscomb actually has a K through 12 program high school that's very successful and. And they were my rival in high school as well. So I went from basically seventh grade until 2013 when I became their head coach. And, and they had been my rival that entire time. <laughs> so a lot of years. Uh, so there's some head scratching going on by both sides. You know, a lot of a lot of people that knew me and Belmont fans saying, how in the world could he go coach at Lipscomb? And, and definitely a lot of Lipscomb people saying, you know, how, how in the world would they hire a Belmont guy? But, you know, the truth is the schools are very similar. Um, I knew a lot of people at Lipscomb that I had great respect for and, and, and actually had really good relationships with already. And, uh, and it's a good job. I mean, it's a really good basketball job. And, and so it was, it was, even though it seems like it was a personal move to come back to Nashville, it was, it was far more in a way a professional move because, because I knew that Lipscomb had potential to do good things. And when you were eventually returned to Belmont, was there kind of like a, well, this guy just pick a side already kind of attitude in that rivalry? <laughs> there are probably some people that feel that way. But, <laughs> uh, but I was at Lipscomb for six years. Um, you know, I gave my heart and soul to that school, and I love it, and I still do. I mean, I, I still have great uh, relationships with a lot of people there, and that was very sad for me to leave. Um, you know, but again, in a very same, in a very similar way, I just felt like professionally it was – Belmont job was a you know a little better job a little bit more established um, a little bit more p- potential in the short term. Um, I definitely think Lipscomb can do all those same things, but it was you know it was just a little better place. Not to mention the fact that I'd spent 20 years there and um, you know and it felt like home as well. Yeah, you were named head coach at Belmont in 2019. What was going through your mind at the time when you were named at that position, especially being a player and assistant for so many years, and especially uh, taking over after uh, Rick Bird? Yeah, it was interesting just to, you know, how it all came full circle because, you know, when I left Belmont in 2011, I mean, my total assumption was I'd never be going back, you know, and I didn't even know if I'd ever come back to Nashville. You know, you just, I mean, that's not the way coaching works, you know, you, once you leave, you're gone and you might have multiple stops. If you're lucky, you might have multiple stops. Uh, and so, you know, so I didn't plan for that. Um, it, it worked out, you know, the timing was was right and um and it worked out and so i was certainly privileged and and very humbled to have the opportunity um to take over for coach bird and and to go back home and and run a really good program yeah you guys were very successful in your first year going uh 26 and 7 and 15 and 3 in conference play you were able to win the conference championship in your first year coaching what was that like and then with covid uh a few days COVID hitting a few days later what was that experience like just going through all of that and knowing that you weren't being you weren't able to go back to the uh, NCAA tournament yeah the season itself was uh, was kind of a personal roller coaster for me honestly because uh from the very beginning we lose our very first game at Illinois State it's a close game uh but we didn't win it and then we lost two or three more 
non-conference games that I felt like we could have, should have won, um, you know, so, so we never really got things rolling. Uh, and then we're five and three at one stretch in the OVC and um, both Austin P and Murray state who had very good teams were eight and O at the time and had already beaten us once. And so we're three games back plus a tiebreaker, you know, with 10 games to go in conference play. And, uh, you know, but we reel off 10 straight, we end up winning the league and then we end up winning the tournament and, you know, and so to look back now, it's pretty pretty rewarding the way it all worked out. Um, as for the tournament itself, I mean, that was, uh, you know, that was totally you know, had our legs cut out from underneath us. Uh, you know, we're, we'd we already earned the chance to go. We're practicing. Uh, we didn't know, you know, obviously Selection Sunday hadn't occurred yet, so we didn't know where we were going or who we were playing, but we knew we were in. And, um, you know, and then just the dominoes started falling and wasn't anything that we could do about it except be disappointed. And, and uh, you know, we've kind of been – and I've been moving on to other things ever since then, I guess. And uh, what was the summer like over this off season where we weren't sure if we were going to see college basketball? What was it like from your perspective? Yeah, miserable. Uh, it was no <laughs> fun at all. I mean, it was, you know, we we had Thursday, I think the date was March 12th, maybe in the 13th. But, you know, we had practice, like I mentioned, for the NCAA tournament. And later that day, the, can- the tournament was canceled. And... Our play, we had a team meeting the next day, Friday, um, just to, you know, to tell our players, you know, our, like a lot of campuses, students had to leave campus and everything else. So we sent our students home the very next day after practice. That was, I think, March 13th. And I didn't see almost any of them again until August the 23rd, you know. Wow. And uh, mm-hmm. and so it was it was strange. And then there were just disappointments all along the way. I mean, no, of course, none of us knew what COVID was going to look like or turn into, you know, back in early March. Um, you know, so we thought we were going to come back on June 1st and then we thought it was June 16th and then we thought it was July the 1st and then we thought it was August the 1st. And, you know, and so just kind of disappointment and setback after setback and, um, it was tough, but, uh, you know, guys are, guys are young and resilient and, you know, they, all you need to do is open the door for them, and they'll 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 get right through it. And, and we've managed to survive just like everybody else has. Hasn't been any tougher for us than anybody else, but but that doesn't mean it's been fun either. Yeah, you guys are having another outstanding season uh, this year. What has been the biggest struggle for you guys in this unprecedented season? Well, our preseason, uh, you know, even after we finally got back together, it was really first week of September before we could start our workouts, and from September until December. I mean, we had a really tough go of it. We didn't, we didn't have a lot of positive cases, but we had a lot of contact tracing, and so, you know, we felt like we were already behind. Um, and then we had very little preseason. We we had three days in the month of November where we had ten players or more for practice, and every other day in November we had six or less. Uh, so, it was um, it was quite unusual to be going to play games there at the end of November, and you know, you hadn't even really practiced for weeks. Uh, you know, didn't know what we had, didn't know, didn't know what the season was going to look like. So that was clearly the most difficult part. Um, we won some games early, even though we weren't very good. We lost one early that where we weren't very good, and you know, and but since then it's been a pretty good run. Yeah. So you guys are on a 21 game win streak at the moment, and it just seems like everything's clicking for you. What is that experience like, and how do you keep your players motivated to keep on going and keep uh, pushing to the end? Yeah, we've got some sharp kids in the program. I mean, we've got guys who have already won a couple of championships and earned their way to two different NCAA tournaments, one of which wasn't played, as we've already talked about. But uh, ironically, we don't have any seniors on our team at all, uh, but we do have guys that have been around. And so, you know, they, they've 
you know, we know what we lost last year and, um, and, you know, and to walk into this season, you know, and, and very intentionally try to play it without any regrets. Our, our players have done a fabulous job of just showing up every day and trying to get better no matter what our streak looks like. And you mentioned there's no seniors, uh, but who in your mind has really stepped up and been a team leader and said, all right, we're going to do the best with the situation that we have presented in front of us here? Yeah, we've got we've got great leadership really across the board. We have five juniors and all five of them will graduate in May. Uh, so it's not like we don't have experience and maturity and everything else. But I mean, Grayson, Grayson Murphy's the heartbeat of our team. He's not our leading scorer, but he's, you know, everybody in our league would say he's the MVP of our team. Um, and he just finds a way to impact every game, every practice. He's just one of those uh, really unusual guys that you rarely ever, if ever, get the chance to coach. With two games left in the regular season, what are you looking for to improve upon going into the conference tournament as you're looking for your second consecutive conference title and run into the NCAA tournament? Yeah, first of all, we've got two tough games. Not not just two games, but two tough games. I mean, we, our game on Thursday, well, this this week we play the second and third place team. And so we'll have to play well. Both games are on the road. Um, and so, we, you know, we'll definitely have to play well to keep this going. Uh, you know, but we also have a bigger picture in mind. I mean, we, you know, we're – if we continue to win, we're going to be talking, you know, we can improve our seating. Should we get to the NCAA? We can, um, if we don't, if we don't win our conference tournament, we can, you know, we can put ourselves in a bubble conversation. So there's a lot to play for. Um, a lot, a lot of things that, that should motivate us, um, to go out and play well. And coach, you mentioned some of those struggles at the beginning where you said, uh, you won some games when you guys weren't very good at the start. What do you think your team's done well as the season's gone on that's allowed them to find so much success? Well, one thing is we've we've just been extremely lucky with COVID. Uh, since our we got all of our players back, I think on December the fifth for the first time since literally since you know the first or second week of September, uh, and we haven't had any disruptions since then. So even though we weren't very good, just being able to you know have a regular schedule and not have any pauses, you know we are totally lucky that none of our opponents had to had to pause. We didn't lose any games because of our opponents either. And, you know, so just the continuity that we've enjoyed since the first part of December, you know, is the biggest reason why we're good. I mean, we, we, we returned a lot of good players and, you know, we had some expectations, but, but we've also had it better than a lot of teams in a sense that, you know, we've been able to practice every day and play all our games and, and just, you know, it feels like a little bit of a normal schedule in that regard. Right, and you mentioned these next two games are not just games, but very big games. What do you think specifically your team's going to need to do to walk away with two uh, victories to close out your regular season here? Yeah, two very different teams. Eastern Kentucky is a real high-tempo team. They press 94 feet, which is unusual these days. Uh, you know, and so that's that's kind of a matchup concern as far as style of play goes. And they're also very talented. I mean, I think they've already won 19 games maybe. Uh, and then Moorhead State is almost the opposite. They're really tough, really physical really defensive minded, you know, very mistake free kind of team. Uh, I know they've, they've won more OVC games this year, I think than ever in their history uh, before. And so, you know, they're having a fabulous year. So it'll take uh, kind of the best of both worlds for us to be good this week. Sounds good. Coach, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Best of luck going forward. You bet guys. Thank you. Thank you.